This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Welcome along to episode 117 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Scott, and full strength squad once again. I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele Gents. How's it going? Good, thank you. I'm good. Um, this is this is weird. This is very intimate. This is weird. We are all together in the same room doing this podcast for the first time in over two years now. Well, the first time ever. Yeah. In, in preparation for our live show at Siberia on, on Sunday the 13th, is that right? Sunday the 13th. Sunday the 13th. Sunday. So we're all together and um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. It's strange because normally we get a bit of respite from Gary's coupon as his broadband fades out and <laughs> the picture disappears on Zoom, but it's the full live 4D ultra experience. Um, it feels a bit strange, but hopefully this might be the sign of things to come. Yeah, if either of you start waffling shit, I can't just walk away. You know, just turn my camera well, you can. off. You can't just walk well, away. Well, I can. It would be a bit more dramatic, actually. It would be a little bit more dramatic, that's yeah. right. Anyway, that's enough about this. In a week that saw Hibs open their cinch campaign with, let's call it the most Hibs performance imaginable, and that saw Michael Beale Sevco get off and up and running with defeat to Derek McInnes' one-dimensional Kilmarnock. Oh no, boys, the cinch is back. Are we delighted? Of course. It's not been the opening weekend <laughs> I was hoping for, really. You know, our Broth and Dundee, that was a very disappointing opening fixture. On a number of different levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, pitchfork sales in the Dundee area will have tanked. I thought they might have gone through the roof if, they, uh, if they'd botched that, but they actually looked quite good. Some of those goals were quite good. Are both are garbage though. We, I think though we do need to talk about um, Declan Gallagher's hairband. That was a new one on me. I don't recall seeing that. Is before. Declan Gallagher rocking a hairband. Yes, yeah. yeah. I think wow. he's Jack Grealish now. Jeez, oh, that is something. Anyway, there we go. It's another busiest one this week, as we've got actual competitive football to talk about with the, with the return of the aforementioned cinch. We're going to take a look back on our goalless draw with the Lions of West Lothian on Saturday afternoon. We'll also take a look at the week that's been at AB24 before after the break. We'll turn our attentions to the news developing from our Europa League playoff round draw. And then we'll preview next Sunday's opening home game of the campaign as Celtic visit the home of football. But first, Livingston nil, Aberdeen nil, Saturday the 5th of August 2023, the Tony Macaroni Arena in the Cinch Premiership. The two sides never having met each other on opening day before and the Dons lining up as expected with Kel Roos and goals back three Nicky Devlin Jack McKenzie and debutante Slobodan Rubicevic 
Morrison Hayes occupying the wing-back roles with Clarkson, Shinny and Povara in the centre of the park. Duke and Miofsky up top on the bench. Ross Duhan, Connor Barron, Vinny Bajowin, Anthony Stewart, Jack Milne, Ored Dadia, Finley Marshall and Alfie Babbage. Couldn't well, remember well Finley remembered. Marshall's <laughs> first name there for a minute. Was that that obvious? <laughs> Angus MacDonald missing out altogether after the birth of his daughter the night before. All the very best to uh, MacDonald and co there. Livingston captain by ex-Dons player Mikey Devlin with Bruce Anderson having to make do with a place on the bench. The Dons resplendent once again, Gavin, their Northern Lights awake at. Once again, resplendent is an adjective you can use to describe it. <laughs> in front of another huge travelling support, but a fairly tepid opening period with both sides playing the ball long rather than attempting to trust the surface. When the Dons finally did get the ball down, a nice move involving Devlin, Povara, Duke and Hayes, although the hosts were able to clear after that. The Dons with some decent possession at early doors, but with little to show. Duke headed over the bar from a near post corner by Clarkson on 14 minutes, one that you would have hoped for maybe a little bit better from the Cape. For Dane, Slobodan Rubzic finding his way into idiot John Beaton's little black book on 27 minutes for a foul on Guthrie around the halfway line before Sangari was booked for the host. Clarkson then completing Beaton's hat-trick just a minute later as the game became, let's call it scrappy, um, as the host continued to frustrate the visitors with some niggly tactical fouls. That doesn't sound like Livingston, does it? No, this must be the new Luke Livingston. Indeed, absolutely. Failing to allow the game to get into any sort of flow, Shaden Morris winning a corner on 36 minutes, but Hayes' corner delivery to the near post easily cleared. Clark's now with a dangerous-looking ball into the box on 39 minutes, but there was no Aberdeen player lurking. To capitalise, Livy with probably the best chance in the first half, Montano breaking down the left-hand side and his low cross only just evaded Brandon, who looked favourite to score, but Hayes' pressure just enough to put him off. Half-time, 0-0 into the second half, and it was more of the same, neither side looking particularly comfortable to try and play. So we saw long ball after long ball being shelled up and down the park. Hayes coming close on 55 minutes. Some good build-up play by Povara and Miofsky. And as the ball found its way to Clarks and his cross ball was dangerous, but Hayes couldn't quite connect at the back post, turning his effort into the side netting. Duke next to threat and a flick on from Miofsky playing him in. But as he broke away from Mikey Devlin, he seemed to hesitate on getting his shot off, allowing Devlin to recover and block. Two corners in quick succession for the Dons, the second drawing appeals for a penalty for the visitors as the ball appeared to strike a Livy hand, but nothing doing. Bruce Anderson on for Guthrie for the home side in the aftermath of that one. Livy with the best chance of the game on 75 minutes. Obelai with a free header at the back post from a corner, but his downward effort was tame, allowing Roos to claw the ball away. Esther Sokler on for Morris on 78 minutes for his Full debut for the Dons, the first change for Aberdeen. Robson booked for descent on 80 minutes before Mikey Devlin was then carded for a foul on Sokler. Duke with a chance to win it with less than five minutes remaining. Sokler chasing down, a, chesting down a shinny pass, but Duke's effort arcing wide of goal. Rubicic and Anderson with a clash of heads on the 90-minute mark that required treatment for both Anderson and Force from the park as well, following what did appear to be quite a nasty bounce of the head off of the AstroTurf. Mikey Devlin... That's right, you read that correctly. Mikey Devlin with an audacious effort that flew over the bar on 95 minutes before Clarkson's free kick deep into the 100th minute evaded both Sokler and Miofsky, and that was that. 0-0, a game that looked like a goalless draw, let's be honest, from the moment that it kicked off onto the data front. Possession, 47% for the home side, 53% to Aberdeen. Expected goals, 0.76 for Livy to 0.70 for the Dons. Shots, 12-11 to 11 in favour of the home side. Shots on targets... Two for Livy, zero for Aberdeen. So there we go, um, boys. A goalless draw to kick things off. Not the result that anyone would have been hoping for. And we'll get into a bit more of the detail in the game shortly. But should we be surprised? 
I think what's probably a little bit more frustrating is maybe not so much the result because it's early days. It's probably not our first 11 guys get to know each other. So it's maybe more the fact that, I mean, that zero shots is not a great stat. And I thought when I looked at the lineup, I thought we were a little bit suspect at the back because there's some guys playing that I don't think we'll play when we've got full complement. But I did feel like that's pretty much all your creative talent on the pitch. So, you know, from the sort of midfield onwards, I thought we were looking pretty strong. I thought we might have caused them a bit of bother, but for their defence and our keeper to basically have the cigar out, it's not great. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that Livingston, they're in like a really dire situation from the sounds of things. And I think they are going to be fighting for every single point they can come across. And especially at, at the spaghetti had. Um, and I think maybe later on in the season it might be an easier place to go when maybe they've taken a bit of a battering over the course of the season and the heads start to drop. But I think what's happened here is, you know, Livingston have played the way we know Livingston will play. It's kind of like what Jake said last week, that Livingston, at the beginning of the season, everyone just seems to forget how they play. And then after a couple of months, they all figure it out. It sounds to me, from what I've read, from what people have said on Twitter, that we fell into the trap of of scrapping with them, uh, making it their game rather than our own. And yeah, I tend to just completely agree. I mean, even you think of the wing-backs, you know, you've got Hayes and Morris who are attacking-minded players. Pulvara, we're hoping, is going to be more of that box-to-box type. Shinny even gets himself forward, can score goals when he needs to. And Duke Miofsky and Leighton Clarkson, we know what they can bring. So the fact that, yeah, we created very little and yeah, couldn't even test the Livingston goalkeeper is, is very frustrating. Yeah, we'll come on to a little bit more of the detail of the game in a minute or two, but um, let's start at the back. A debut for Slobodan Rubicic, obviously only officially signed for the club on, on Monday afternoon. Slotted in at the centre of a back three that contained Nicky Devlin and Jack McKenzie. Now, we'll talk about the Serbs debut in a bit more detail, but that just shows exactly where we're at at the moment with the squad depth, doesn't it? You know, Given the absences of Angus McDonald and Reese Williams, I think if you told me at the back end of the last season we'd be opening the campaign with that back three starting, I'd have been absolutely fizzing. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, to go from the hounds of defence, <laughs> Liam Scales, uh, Angus McDonald, Matty Pollock, to a wing back, well, I mean, in a lot of ways, two full backs and a brand new um, centre defence, it's definitely not the optimal way to start things off. Um, you know, maybe you could say we've been unlucky with injuries to Reese Williams and Angus McDonald, but I do think it just shows how threadbare the squad is right now, especially in the defensive areas. And hopefully that's something we can, you know, hopefully Angus can come back for, for Celtic and we'll see where Reese Williams is. And hopefully there's more incoming to, you know, help us out when we're in a bit of a jam. Yeah, definitely need some, I was going to say cover, but quality. Because like Emmy and McKenzie take a view on him but he's probably fine to be on the bench come on now and again so I think we need some guys that can come in and properly compete for a starting play especially when you think we've got group stage European football till Christmas you're going to need injury suspension fatigue whatever you want to call it you're going to need to rotate some of those players and you need quality players to come in uh, to replace these guys they're still what have we got almost three weeks of the window give or take so there's time but the, you know the problem is if that's business isn't concluded till the end of the transfer window for example the games you miss in that time the period it may or may not take for them to acclimatize you know do you get the full benefit of them it's kind of difficult to know 
25 days I'd make it until the end of the transfer window. Um, by the way, Robson... shut. By the way, Robson was speaking. It sounds like we're going to be doing a lot of deals that are going to be going right up to the wire. It certainly sounds so that way. So yeah. it does... You're concerned that we are going to miss out. I mean, when you talk about the Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday thing, you need to take advantage of the games we're going to have before that really kicks in. Um, and obviously there, you know, we've, we've dropped points against Livingston... We'll move on to Celtic soon. Well, have we dropped points against Livingston? We're, we're net one point up from where we were last season. In, in terms of fixture. the fixtures, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a very fair point. I'm going to take the very glass half full look at it. So it's it's an improvement on day one, is what you're saying? I think everyone might be a little bit bored of this conversation, but Liam Scales didn't feature at all for Celtic on, on Saturday. Well, that was just what I was going to come on to in a minute. It was actually, on one hand, yeah, we've probably been a little bit unlucky with injuries because you've had both McDonald and Williams out um, so soon before the season even gets going. So that's not helpful. And if you'd had those two fit, it looks like we've been trailing Rubicic for a little while. So perhaps we were hoping we'd go in on opening day with that back three. And it looks very different at that point if you have that as a back three. Um, from where we ended up having to be yesterday. But at the same time, it does raise the the question about Liam Scales once again because we are short from a left-sided centre-half yep. perspective. Whether we decide we really need one or not, I think Robson looks like he wants to have one, hence Jack McKenzie playing on that side. How long are we going to sit and wait, do you think, for the Liam Scales thing to resolve itself? Because even if we've got a deal done for Scales now this week, he's not available um, until we play... Hibs, St Mirren, I can't remember who our third opponent is. Well, yeah, I was going to say, guarantee it's not going to happen to be in place for the Celtic game. So. Well, even if it is, he, can't, he likely won't play because it sounds like it's going to be a loan deal again. Yeah. How long do we decide to persist on Liam Scales, do you think? Well, that's it. I mean, I kind of do hope that it's the Teklich deal, the chase for Teklich kind of concerns me in a sense that we trailed him for four months with Dave Cormack's words, which kind of makes it to me that we're putting all our eggs in in the one basket and then reacting when those transfers fall through. Um, with Liam Scales, I mean, it depends what he wants to do. Does he want to be a Celtic squad player who plays maybe a European game here and there or a cup game here and there? Or does he want to come to Aberdeen? And we can we afford him if Celtic then do put him out to market? Um, they're losing Starfelt by all accounts. I know he's a right-sided player, but he does play on the left side of their, of their back four. I think it's important because I think you saw last year when Robson took charge, that Scales and Pollock got both into very advanced positions mm -hmm. to offer the attacking threat. And I think you're going to persist with that. You do need a left-sided player to be on um, the back three. So, yeah, if it's not Scales, then I really, really do hope we've got someone else um, you know, in the bag. Let's talk about Rubicic quickly then, will we? Because he only formally announced as an Aberdeen player on Monday afternoon. Uh, so he's only had a week's worth of training with the team, no game time. I loved his Red TV interview. It was great. It was very good, to be fair. I loved the... It was like Dennis Reynolds explaining the implication. <laughs> yes. When he would just be like, people see me and they think that I am like a very you know, nasty player. I'm going to get lots of red cards. And I say, I'm not going to get red, red cards, but I'm very aggressive. Yeah, I love that. I am a fair player. I can pass the ball, but I'm very aggressive. Yeah. I did enjoy it. Carried a certain amount of Ivan Drago versus um, <laughs> Apollo Creed energy. Well, when we saw it with Bruce Anderson, if he dies, <laughs> he dies. Um, in terms of his actual his, his performance on Saturday, like I said, he'd only obviously joined up with the squad properly on Monday. Only had a week's worth of training, so he hasn't played any preseason games, obviously. In terms of his overall data, you know, and, and I thought he had a, a, a 
pretty good debut as far as debuts go. He won 10 of his aerial duels. Yes, that's 83% that he competed in. That's four more than anyone else on the pitch managed. Won 100% of the tackles that he went for. Had eight clearances. That's the most of anyone who was on the park as well. Made four interceptions again, more than anyone in the park, which shows a player who can actually anticipate, hopefully quite well. It's not somebody who's just diving into tackles. Defensively, looked really solid, I thought. Um, passing accuracy, maybe a little bit iffy, only 50% pass accuracy across the, the game for his afternoon. Although he did ping a couple of nice long balls cross field, which were quite good. But both, he certainly was content to play the ball long. Both he and Jack McKenzie, I think, were clearly under instruction to do so because they both made 13 long balls during the game. So 26 between just the two of them. But Rubicic slotted into the centre of the back three and I think he did what most of us were expecting, didn't he? He kicked things, he headed things, he headed Bruce Anderson, um, <laughs> he got booked. <laughs> were we expecting much more? Um, when I saw the first yellow on sports scene, I did think to myself, that in today's game can be a red card. The first yellow? I don't think it should be, but he is going with his studs. He leaves the mark on the guy. You know, in in today's stuff. game, with these referees, exactly. stepping onto the pitch is a red card. <laughs> exactly. So when I was going back home and um, listening to the sports scene, and open all mics was very quiet from West Lothian. There was hee-haw being said from... Well, that's because there was fun all happening. <laughs> there. Just, yeah. Well, cut to Livingston, it's just like cricket sound. Yeah. But, um, it was in the car park when to go home. <laughs> Willie Miller came to life when Rubicic and Anderson are involved in the head knock. Uh, the collision, whatever you want to call it. And I do enjoy the fact that Rubicic is very, very delayed in his decision that he needs to go down yeah. to make it look like this is like, you know, a joint collision. I don't think there was much in it, to be fair. I think Willie Miller went berserk. Yeah, but I think Willie has a tendency on the BBC to try to be too neutral, I think, sometimes. I, I was surprised when I actually saw it to see what actually is, because I think it's a a duel that they're both entitled to go for. Anderson as well winner, actually, to be fair. Yeah, he does. It's, it's one of the two that, it's one of the two that doesn't guy. win. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say so, but again, like you say, in, in the modern age, Christ knows what you get a red card for. Um, but yeah, in terms of just the, his performance, yeah, he sounds like exactly what we've been crying out for for a number of years now. Um, I can't think of the last time Aberdeen had a proper, aggressive, ruthless centre-back. Um Maybe Matty not. Pollock last season. <laughs> Even Matty doesn't carry the... I don't think he's the menacing. doesn't carry the air of like, you know, I, I will kill you. Yeah. Um, that, that Slobodan does. Do you think we're calling him Ruby just to get away from the name Slobodan, by the Possibly. way? Possibly. I don't know if he was fed that line. So how were you named? <laughs> well, you were looking at Gavin there, so... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where do you think you get that name from? So, uh, so Ruby, yeah, it sounds like you had a good game and... You know, it was a very physical match, and you see that data. He's acquitted himself well. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him in person. I'm also looking forward to, if he thinks he's a good passer, and you've said Gary is not, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I will uh, hold your coat. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be having that conversation. I'm only going on what happened yesterday. Oh, right? Of course, of course. The numbers don't lie. Uh, decent, uh, I think it's a decent performance for a debut new, new country teammates and he's obviously not had the chance to to play a game with them so all in all pretty encouraging and I agree I think for a number of years we've felt we've been a bit soft-centered not necessarily just in the defense so we need a mixture of guys that just won't take any nonsense and are not going to get bullied and then obviously hopefully that allows the 
more talented players, a bit more time or protection to do their thing. So pretty encouraging start. I, I think say. contrary to what he did say in his red TV interview, though, he is going to get red cards. Uh, yeah. I think when you come out in your first interview for the club as well, go, I like to play aggressive. <laughs> That's instantly just got like Willie Collin with a hard on, hasn't it? <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> can't wait for this. And Andrew Dallas is our new like, full-time VAR special. Andrew Dallison. I'm using the word special here. Um, <laughs> possibly deliberately. Take your own meaning. <laughs> Andrew Dallas and Greg Aitken? I, I think. think it's those two. I can't really joke. I mean, they're just going to be sitting there just like, just hone your camera on that boy. Just for 90 minutes and let's just see what happens. They're not, no, it'd just be like, oh, just 10 minutes, VAR. S- speaking of which, have you, seen the, have you seen the penalty kick that was missed at Dens Park? Um, see, I watched that highlight clip about ten times and couldn't work out what everyone was talking about until I read the comments and then saw it. Wow, have you seen it? I have not. So there's like an attack for Dundee. The ball gets played into uh, Liam Kelly's hands. He stands up, and then is it Casey? I think the middle centre half comes along and gives like Liam um, gives Liam Kelly a cuddle to be like, "Well done, mate," and sticks both his hands on the ball. And Liam <laughs> Kelly tells him, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then he goes, hey, and then he does it again. <laughs> and then they go, oh shit. Right? And like, that's the type of thing I'm sitting there going, surely that's the thing VAR has to pick up. Like, because I, I don't think the ref can see it on the pitch. Yeah. But surely the ref, yeah. surely VAR's got to be like, hang on, let's take that back again. That's a handball. Mental. Maybe they were just getting another can from the fridge or something at that point. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, maybe they were just getting warmed up for the Rangers game kicking off later in the afternoon. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. They've got a quote of handballs they can dish out this season, so you know. <laughs> I just did like tidying waste, up the penalty. Don't want to waste graphic. one on a Dundee Motherwell game, for <laughs> <laughs> What I did like, you touched on there, the gal, I did enjoy uh, Rubizic's like, street smarts when he saw Anderson had like, hit the deck and he did give it the, oh, my head too. Just to put that little bit of doubt there in the referee's mind about what had happened, that's something, again, I don't think we see enough of from some of our players is that street smarts. So. Hey, um, you know, I mean, despite that we're all disappointed about the result, it is a clean sheet and it is a definitely a makeshift defence for sure. Well, so, on, so, stop stealing this stuff for later when we're positive, come on. Well, I was thinking, <laughs> for, given that he was playing you know, in his debut, like Graham says, with uh, very little time with his teammates and you're playing with two guys who are not centre-backs by trade, either, one of whom's not got much experience. I think uh, Slob and I can be very, sorry, Ruby, can be very proud of his debut. Yeah, another debutant in the back three was Nicky Devlin, of course, back at his old stomping ground. And I thought he acquitted himself really well, actually, on his league debut. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter giving Nicky Devlin their, their man of the match. Sounds like he was very, very solid. Just uh, six, seven out of ten performance we're going to probably expect from Nicky Devlin. And... You know, again, to do it in a not completely familiar position, uh, all the credit to him. Uh, I think he's going to be, by all accounts, I think he's going to be a really, really solid addition to our well, team. I think we got out of Nicky Devlin yesterday what we're probably expecting to see out of him. Solid pro, experienced. Yeah. You know, some of his former Libby teammates were trying to get him desperately sent off towards the back end. He was kind of brushing it off with a bit of a laugh about the whole thing. Solid, just what you want out of a guy coming in the club. Yeah, I mean, he's had, I suppose he's had plenty of time to get acclimatised to... Aberdeen and his teammates, but you're right, he's been there, he's done that. Um, it's good to see, and again, you just need guys that maybe fly under the radar a little bit, but I think if you look through any decent team that's ever achieved anything, vast majority of them are going to have a handful of guys who are just solid, and you 
kind of don't realise what they, they do. So, I, yeah, I'm not surprised that he slotted in, albeit an unfamiliar position. wasn't surprised that he slotted in, and it just looked like he'd always been there. So that's really, really encouraging, because unless we can get some players and or get some fitness back in some of them, you might have to get used to that. Indeed, absolutely. Looking a little bit further at the park, uh, Dante Povara. It felt like a big game for Dante on Saturday afternoon with the sale of Ilba Ramadani. Earlier in the week, Dante was uh, given the chance to step into that role. And I thought, again, I thought he actually acquitted himself fine enough. Um, with 42 passes, he was the player on the park who made the most passes, 74% pass success rate. 42. 42, that tells you everything you need to know about that Jesus game. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. 74% pass success rate. Again, that's the highest of anyone who played 90 minutes. Looked intelligent with what he was trying to do, I think. But um, he's not the same type of player as Ilba Ramadani, is he? And I, I did think that we lacked and missed a little bit of the energy that you'd usually get from Ramadani in the centre of the park. It's difficult to have a constructive discussion about Ramadani with Gavin mm. and Gary. Mainly Especially Gary. Gavin. Like, I think... Uh, <laughs> They I maybe nearly are. did the top Don Paul yesterday. I must say with Ramadan at the top of it. If I may say so, very good work sliding into his DMs. Oh yeah, aggressive. <laughs> I was like <laughs> Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah, Ramadan had his critics, but you're right. The sort of the energy and singular the is there. Critic. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, this critic. Um, but what he to, did bring was might a have lot. To bring of up the WhatsApp chat here. What was that Gary said? I agree with Gav. He did give the ball away too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, he was kind of all over the pitch, covered everything, and was probably you know quite good at covering for people as well. They maybe pushed on. So uh, slightly different players, but I think considering what we'd seen from Povara before, albeit with the caveat of quite a few guys who so didn't perform or get to play in a role that's natural to them last season, I think it's quite an encouraging insane. I mean, he'd, he'd gone alone, done quite well. I think everything I've seen and heard from him in the interviews is that he he wanted to come back and he wants to, to have a crack at it. And I think Robson's obviously seen something there because he's presumably said to him, that's fine, Robson come back and I'll like give, you a shot, uh, give you a crack. So uh, I think that's a pretty good... It's probably not the easiest game to come into when you're in that kind of role. Like the way the game was going, I mean, you were seeing the number of passes sure he would rather have been on the ball more um, and linking up with his teammates. So, yeah, I think that that's quite encouraging. And again, Ramadani haven't gone, we're one down. So until we can get that fixed, we might be looking to Povara a little bit more than we maybe thought we would be. Robson's chat afterwards made out to me that Povara's got that position. It's his to lose now. That's the way I read it. The way um, Robson was talking, it sounds like it, but I'm not sure I see it because I think Shinny needs a foil to him similar to what Ramadani did last season, and I'm not sure Povar is that player. Well, I would agree there as well, just because I think as well as that, Clarkson needs that extra coverage. Yeah, The guy's doing the donkey work to allow him to do what he can do best as well. Um, Shinny and Ramadani were a very good combination in that sense. You know, Ross McCrory would have been great if he's been here, but that's another big loss that I think we felt just in terms of physicality and presence on the pitch. Um I'm very excited to see what Dante can do this year, but I do think we need another option that fits, you know, fits the team, fits the formation, perhaps a little bit better on on your average game. Yeah, and I think we'll come up to formation again later on. There's been a few comments about that in the in the tweets. So 
or the X's, I guess is what I should call it. Um, up top, a, a very quiet afternoon for, for Miofsky in particular. Duke had a few opportunities, never really kind of, he just didn't look as though he was really getting going at all yesterday. Neither really got much change out of the Louis back line, not helped either by the fact that we were just pumping the ball long up to the two in the entire game. Um, Duke perhaps looking a little bit sluggish, maybe to be expected. He did come back from um, close season a little bit later. Miofsky as well is just getting back up to speed after his bad injury. Is there concern there about the fact that it was a quiet afternoon for the two of them yesterday or is it just one of these things that they're just going to need chances? I think, yeah, I mean, especially Miofsky. Miofsky needs service. Um, he's not going to make anything, make something out of nothing. Uh, with Duke, I mean, there are a couple of chances. You know, he's got a header in the first half, which it's difficult the angle he's coming at it from, but we know Duke's a very good header of the ball, yeah. so you'd expect him to do a little bit better. And then there's the opportunity at the end of the game when um, I think it's Shinny or Sokler feeds him, and he just sort Sokler of... Chests it for it's him. very rash. It's, not, it's very unlike Duke. You'd expect yeah. him to do something a little bit more creative and imaginative. So um, I think, yeah, by all counts, you know, Miofsky's missed uh, a portion of preseason. Duke had a longer campaign than, than anyone else with, with Cape Verde. Uh, I've got no real concerns about the two of them. Um, I'm probably just maybe concerns about, you know, our reliance on those two to make something for themselves or, you know, it's got to be Leighton Clarkson. If it's not him, then whose else is it going to be? I, I was going to say that. You can probably see now why we were trailing Teklich for so long. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I'm not going to be critical of... Duke Gawiowski, probably the frustration with Gawiowski is more us getting drawn into playing the game that way, which just does not suit. You know, we've seen games before where we've tried to play him as a target man type, and he's it's just not as it's not his game. I mean, if you if you're going to do that or you feel the game is going that way, take him off and change the whether you just have Duke. I don't know, change it up and try and get a foothold in the in the game because he's wasted. <laughs> in those types of games, uh, which you know, I guess is probably a bit frustrating for him because we know he's a decent player. So, yeah, it's only the first game, and you're right, he's probably coming back. And I guess Duke's still trying to get back up to speed. So I think it's more the fact that we didn't get to play the game I thought we would, which I think would have got them into being more involved, and then I think we would have caused Livingston more trouble. Interesting, and again, we'll maybe come on to it a little bit later on, but you said there how we kind of got drawn into the game. I'm not convinced we got drawn into play like that. I think that was kind of how we decided to set up to play a little bit yesterday. I'm, well, I was trying to be optimistic to say <laughs> we got drawn in because if that's what he thought the answer was, uh, I don't like the look of that. Yeah, I'll, maybe come on, I've got my theories about why that might have happened. I mean, on the flanks for us as well, we had uh, Shaden Morris at right wing back, where he's played now a few games in, in pre-season. Johnny Hayes on the left. Morris was okay, I thought, but... I don't see a long-term future for him in that position. It's clearly not his natural position. Plenty of energy, but the final ball was lacking desperately um, yesterday. Hayes' performance was um, reminiscent of some of those early season performances at the start of last season where you're like, I feel this is a terrible mistake giving Johnny another year's extension. Um, one of those performances where it feels like he's got his boots on the wrong feet, um, unfortunately, which is not, never good to see. Um, this though was probably why a, a clearly reason as to why we've we've made the signing of James McGarry. Um, there'll be a mini pod coming about that in, in due course. Um, that signing, as far as we're aware, is, is done and dusted. But you can see why we're looking at other options there on the left on the left hand side of the pitch, can you? I am. We've discussed James McGarry with uh, a member, a podcaster in Australia. I'm very excited based on what you said. And hopefully, you know, when our defence, our back three gets sorted out, then Nicky will be taking that, that right wing back position. Yeah. 
Um, I yeah, I mean Morris Hayes. I mean they're they're very industrious, but I don't see much in the way of creativity as much such anymore from either of them. I'm just gonna say now it's a pretty damning state of affairs for Vinny Bajau and that he's not even. I thought I, I don't even maybe didn't even have to warm up yesterday. Uh, it seems how 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 far he is out of the picture at Aberdeen if we're not even considering him in a game like that or we're creating absolutely hee haw. It is one of those that's like I. I don't disagree about that, but mostly I don't think he would have affected the game yesterday. We we we, we played, to be honest with you. Um, so I can see why he didn't come off the bench, to be quite honest. Um, but Graham, you can probably see as well. I think the same way. We need to be targeting probably some more quality now in the left hand flank. I think. It definitely, as much as Johnny Hayes has been an excellent player for Aberdeen, I think playing nineties, possibly even beyond him, and playing in that kind of role where. You're up and down the pitch the whole game. It's it's quite physically demanding, and I'm not suggesting he doesn't look after himself and trains well, all the rest of it. But it just comes a point where time takes over, and you can't do what you could do before. Um, so I think it's little things like you know you can still put in the shift, but then it's like he just doesn't quite have that composure or energy at the, the final minute yeah. to burst past someone in the box or to play that final ball. Whereas first time round, Johnny Hayes had that. You know he would. He would just tear up the line and he still had that at the end to bamboozle someone and create something. Just feels like that that bit's missing. So I can understand why he's filling in currently, but I say filling in because I kind of hope he's just getting us through this stage of the season until we get some recruitments in. And then, you know, maybe, maybe go back to he fills in the odd, you know, a cup game if we're taking a risk and resting people. Or in come on maybe in a game where maybe he can influence because yeah. he's got wealth experience and he's still a decent player. I'm just not sure ninety minutes in that role is really is really the answer. And possibly if you decide to switch formations and you go back to maybe something like a four two three one, you can play him further advanced at the park and he just has to focus attacking rather than. Well, that, that's true because you know you can rely on him if the opposition break on us. Yeah, uh, he's going to help his teammates out. But you're right, he's got less of the toing and froing to do, and he's playing in a. Well, an area of the pitch where you'd rather have them in. You should both have the graphic in front of you now. It's the average position map from, from yesterday. Um, I mean, just look as well at how congested that middle of the park is yesterday. Yeah. When you're playing, it's, it's a massive feeling, it feels like, to me on our part yesterday. When, you, when you're playing with wing-backs, you're obviously looking for them to be as wide as they possibly can be in the pitch to stretch yeah. the game. I mean, look at the average position yeah. there of everyone's Johnny Hayes. Everyone's within the width of the penalty area. Yeah, exactly. Um, Shade Morris and Johnny Hayes are quite far advanced. They're, they're over the halfway line, which is what you want to see, but they're so far, um, they're almost like playing like inverted fullbacks in a kind of really roundabout way. Mm-hmm. You can just see how the game just got bogged down into just a territory battle just up and down the park. And it wasn't even like the midfields were, were getting involved in the game yesterday because the ball was just pinging... <laughs> from one end of the park <laughs> up to the other part of the whole game. And you can see there, you know, Leighton Clarkson didn't really get into the game at all, which is no real surprise because the ball just continually bypassed them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to create space for these kind of players for them to do what they want to do. And if it's going to be like that, so scrappy. And yeah, I mean, Leighton Clarkson's not going to thrive in a game where the ball's in the air. Yeah, we know what he's good at and that's that's not it. So that's a, that's a failing of our, of our game plan, quite frankly. We'll talk about game plan a little bit. Now, because, I mean, lots of folks yesterday <clears throat> um, after the game um, on social media and stuff, and it's not necessarily the best barometer in the world for anything, but a lot of people not happy with the performance. It's the first time as well, I think I've seen a lot of fingers being pointed in the direction of the manager yesterday. Um, well, it is day one. It is day one. Why not? Let's uh, <laughs> let's start as we mean to go on. <laughs> um, 
I think it's fair to say that was the, probably the manner of our performance was maybe a little bit worrying. But is that possibly what we're going to have to come to expect a little bit as well? Because, I don't know, I get the impression with Robson he's a very pragmatic coach. Um, he clearly went into the game yesterday with concerns around a makeshift back line, concerns around the fact the pitch is not great to play on. Did he just decide, you know what, we're just going to go extremely risk-averse um, in this game? Then the message will just be simply to get the ball away from our goal at, at every opportunity, which is why we went a little bit more direct and a bit long yesterday. I can see that's a potential argument, but I don't know. I, f- I feel like over the course of a season, if that's the way you're going to go for it, you're going to get what you deserve, and that's not going to be points on the board and progression up the table. So I suppose it's a little tricky. It's only the first game, and you can't judge him totally because, uh, well, I guess you two schools have thought one you could because he put the team out that was available, but I'm kind of of the opinion that that's not what he would be picking if he had yeah. everyone fit, ignored new signings, if he had the current guys and, you know, from Donald who'd been available or Williams is fit, think some of these guys play and things maybe look a little, a little bit different, you'd hope then he'd have the confidence in his defence so he's not looking at the game thinking, let's just shell it, try and take the pressure off the boys at the back because they're new and I'm not too sure about them. But there were rumblings and comments towards the tail end of last season, albeit the performance under Robson or the turnaround was quite impressive, some of those games weren't particularly pretty. No, no, that's fair. So I think anyone who is maybe looking and thinking we're going to be playing silky football, I'm not, I'm just not sure that's what you're going to get from Robson. But I think that is going to cause some problems because I think we've got quite a decent creative team. We've invested a bit of money in it and we're not going to be using them. Then I think people are quite right to get frustrated, but maybe just not after the day, first day. I think that was certainly a fair question, Graham's raised there, Gav, about towards the back end of last season, I think it was hard uh-huh. to criticise too much because we were in a great position um, and we got into a place where we'd somehow got ourselves in the third place and it kind of became a, a case of almost, you have to see that through and you can't really criti- you can't criticise it too much. But I think there were still a lot of people sitting there and I'm, even, even me myself was like, well, I'm interested in what he does over the close season now to see if we become a little bit more expansive when he tries to be a bit more, less pragmatic, let's put it that way. Um, what do you think? Do you think Robson's default setting is going to be more pragmatic? I don't pragmatic. know. Because pragmatic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like as I said many times last in the last half of um, the second half of last season, sorry, that I just think Robson did what he felt he needed to do. Yeah. To get us to you know climb the table, get away from relegation, and then you know before we even knew it, we were in third place and wondering how the hell this has happened. Um, and I think he probably had a core group of 13, 14 that he trusted to execute a game plan that could win us games. Um, I'm kind of with Graham in the sense that I don't think that's going to be like anything like our strongest 11 come hopefully September, October kind of time. I mean, I think there's, you know, Devlin's not going to play uh, right-sided uh, centre-back. Mackenzie's not going to play left-sided centre-back. I don't think Hayes or Morris are going to play as wing-backs. And I think, despite what he might say uh, in public... I don't know if when it push comes to shove, Polvara is going to be you know first name on the team sheet either, and then you combine that with you know Duke and Miofsky not being at optimum fitness. Um, maybe it was just a case of you know getting through the game and and you know making sure we came away with at least a clean sheet and didn't get off to a losing start. I'm 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 intrigued to see. I'm I'm not willing to make any definitive statements over what I think Robson's approach to football is going to be. I think we'll have a much better sense of that. You know. October and November kind of time, um, but yeah, the, the kind of comments, the the way that we played, 
against Livingston where I do think we still had enough quality on the pitch to really stamp our authority on the game. If that's the way he's going to take a game at, you know, um, at the Tony Macaroni. When it comes to Celtic Rangers or the better teams in Europe, do we want to see us being really negative and pragmatic? Well, I think history tells us that we don't want to see that. Yeah. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops and you know, just what happens with the rest of our squad. Because Graham's right, we've got a talented attacking team in a lot of ways, but the system we're playing is making a lot of these players very redundant. So a lot of criticism as well, yes, about decision-making from the bench, just in terms of changes more than anything. We only made one substitution yesterday, which came 78 minutes into the game, and it was kind of clear that things were not working already for quite a long period of time. It was pretty clear in the first 45 minutes that things weren't um, necessarily ticking as well they want. Is that something, again, it's a bit of a concern, or is that maybe more pointing just to the lack of strength that's on the bench, maybe a lack of faith Robson has in certain people on the bench? Bajoun's a good example of this. Um because on one hand, it does feel like that's a game yesterday where you think, well, you bring Vinny on 25, 30 minutes from the end, try and tweak the setup a little bit and try and get him on the ball, but we, did, we didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think maybe you'd look at the bench and say that it's not the strongest bench that we would like to have and there's maybe limits, limitations in terms of what we can actually do. But I mean, like Connor Barron's there, this is a big season for him. Would it be the worst idea to bring him on and see if we can get more of a foothold in the midfield? In the midfield, uh, the midfield didn't touch the ball yesterday. Uh, you say foothold in the midfield, that would imply that we were getting overrun. <laughs> maybe that's where you need to have that change, where you bring a player like Connor on who's more willing to go and take the ball from the centre backs and actually move us up the ball, you know, move us up the pitch on the ground. But again, it seems like Connor's, you know, not really in with a shout. Um, you know, Vinny, we've been t- talked about. I just think he's, I think he's done. I think we're some matter of time before he's away, whether that's to Holland or elsewhere, I don't know. And then you go through the rest of the team. I mean, Alfie Babbage, of course, possibly, but then you know, it's that point in the game where do you want to bring on an attacker for a midfielder, risk losing the game? I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's not what I would necessarily want to see. I think he should have done more earlier in the game, 78 minutes. I mean, anyone who's ever played football knows that 10 minutes is not really enough time to get you going especially when it's your debut for like someone like Sokler. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, I think we're just at that point maybe in the season where you know the strength isn't there and maybe that's reflected in the way the manager is approaching it. On that as well, I mean, I think people had voiced concerns as well last season about potentially this, and it, it feels like it's reared its head again since yesterday. It's just Robson seems to now have a complete insistence on deciding to play 3-5-2, despite the fact that maybe the players available to him at any given opportunity don't actually suit that shape. I mean, yesterday's a good example of that. I think the players available, I'm not convinced the back three is the way to go with who you have available. The only reason I see you doing it is because you're bringing reposition for his debut and you decide, I don't want to expose him as being one of a, a, a pair in the centre of the park and uh, in the centre of defence, and so I'm going to protect him a little bit by having two other centre-halves either side of him and let him play a bit deeper. Maybe that's why you decide to do it. But he seems very dogmatic about playing three at the back all the time, despite the fact that the squad set up at the moment doesn't necessarily favour it. Or the players that are available just now, anyway. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And that's a bit of a concern, because if you can't be flexible tactically, now that's either going to be through, well, basically the current situation, availability, so it's injuries rather than suspension to this stage of the season. So he's going to have to deal with that all season and then you know we've got European football's maybe not necessarily the big 
you know, sort of the totally different style to what it maybe would have been because it's not really like countries play in a rigid style yeah. these days anymore. But still, you're going to come up against different types of teams or games will not play out the way you thought they were. And if all we can ever do is, you know, one of the McKinnis gripes, if all we ever do is just bring on fresh legs, it's almost like, what's the point? If it's not worked for 70, 80, and yeah. it's not the fact that, you know, it's just we're getting overrun or we're just not in a game. I don't see what bringing on someone who can run a bit faster is going to change. To counter that, I mean, like, if you were to go to a back four, who would you put with Rupesic in there? I'd probably put Devlin, to be honest. So, Nicky Devlin? Or maybe Jack McKenzie, so you've got a right foot and a left foot. I think I think the reason he probably... Well, I, I mean, first of all, I think that we're going to be playing three-five-two anyway because that's the way we've played all pre-season. Yeah, that's what so I mean. I think, so I do think that's you know the way we're going to go with it. Um, and I do think that it was probably the right call yesterday because I think it would have been a big risk to put Rubicic in with either Devlin or McKenzie, quite frankly, just because that's not their natural positions. Yeah. It maybe works within a three. Within a back four, I'd be very concerned about... Well, either of them, to be honest with you. Um, how rigid he is with it. I mean, you know, I, c- I can understand it because it's been very successful up until now. Um, it's just, yeah, that point that we've still got that make up the balance of the squad. Doesn't seem like it's made up to be us, for us to be playing that. And we're having to teach Shaden Morris how to play right wing back on the spot effectively. And, you know, um, you've just got guys like Bajewin and, you know, Duncan. Is he going to really feature much? In this setup, we saw him playing that kind of more advanced role, but he's again teaching a kid on the spot. Yeah, well, again, we'll wait and find out. But um, right now, my instinct, if you're asking me, I think Robson is, yeah, very much of the McInnes mold in that. Yeah, it's not going to be, we're not going to be making any wild five up top changes, a la Jimmy Caldwell done for everyone. No, I don't think so. And is it something we need to just be, uh, as supporters, are we going to have to just, ex- you know, I say accept, but that's kind of how it's going to run. I mean, it's not like a. This is not a pant pushing Robson out exercise, but it'll be very easy to accept if we have the kind of success we did in the second half of last season. But of course, when we inevitably do on that bad run, it'll be interesting to see how we react. Oh no, uh, a disappointing start, obviously, to the campaign. Not one we were hoping for, but trying to take some positives out of it. It is a clean sheet on the road uh, with a makeshift back five. Let's be honest, which is what it is. It's point on the board, so we are at least up and running. Um, there's still players, obviously, to come back in from injury. Uh, there's players to hopefully come in the door. Um, James McGarry being one of them, and hopefully another couple. Um, is there still cause to be optimistic? Do you think, despite that setback yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's game one. It's yeah, we didn't lose. That's 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 um, <laughs> that's what I can give you, really. Um, hey, I mean. I, the concern is for me is that like obviously now our next game is Celtic, and we could go and play as well as we possibly can against Celtic and still lose. And I assume Hearts are at Tynecastle. They also go. They obviously won. Within two games, we're you know already chasing them, and then we have the the European fixtures to deal with. So it's yeah, I wouldn't say time to hit the panic button, but yeah, it's um and it's just it's disappointing because it's very Aberdeen because we have so much good feeling from the end of last season. You get, what, four and a half thousand Aberdeen fans in Livingston yesterday. And as always, when we bring a big crowd, we just don't deliver. Extremely frustrating. Graeme, you said last week your 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 mattress was bone dry. How's it feeling today? Um, the pillow was a little bit wet with the tears, but <laughs> the rest of it is, is fine. I was really worried where you were going with that. So was I, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Take your minds out of the gutter. Um, I, I don't think I don't see why you would bother. Why would you be panicking after one game with not the full squad? Now, I guess a, a counter to that would be well, you know, the season has kicked off. You don't have your full squad, but n- no team does. And the market we are in, or where we find ourselves in the market, you don't have the firepower to buy who you want when you want them. You're going to get some guys straight away because they're going to, you know, because you can compete financially. And you're going to get some guys that are waiting to see if they're going to be involved with their club or waiting to see if something else comes up. So uh, the time to panic is probably October. If we're still looking as rubbish as we were on Saturday, then we are in big trouble. But I, I don't think there's any point in panicking. It's not a great result. The performance was poor. And I, I know what Gav's saying is kind of classic Aberdeen. You know, come and support the club. Right, well, we'll fill out someone's home ground and then they go and put that performance in. It's not great. But I think people will stick with them. It's early days. I still maintain we've got good creative players. We just need to complement them with some uh, maybe sort of defensive signings, maybe in the midfield, so that basically, you know, I think we saw second half of last season, Clarkson's work rate was much, much better. You know, putting tackles and stuff like that, which he's obviously going to need to do, but I, I don't want to see him covering all the yeah. all the pitch. I want to see him having time on the ball to pick passes um, or get himself into the opposition box, etc. So I think there's plenty of time for for improvement, but there definitely does need to be improvement. Yeah, I don't think we need to be going full Kent Brockman, bringing in that pundit, asking if it's time to like, crack up with people's heads open. No scooping, on, exactly. No feast feasting. on the goo inside, yeah. Not yet. Not quite yet. No, no, the the plastic wrapper is staying on my pitchfork. If the first game after, like, the first of September, we're fielding a team that looks a bit like that and putting that kind of performance, then maybe. Okay, fair enough. Maybe, but not quite yet. Okay, no problem. Right, let's uh, let's quickly wrap up looking at the game yesterday then. Um, Topped on. Uh, We're going to do a new bit this year. Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot about this. So, time now for Topped on. Livingston versus Aberdeen. But which devil was I talking about? Lovely. We'll Mikey do a quick, for making it to 95. We'll do a quick, um, a quick look at Listener's Corner really quickly because this is taking a lot longer because we're actually sitting all together tonight. Um, yeah, the lights have just gone on. lights have gone on. Burning up my electricity. The nights are fair drawn in. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, let's fight it all up. Um, also, thank you to everybody on Twitter who's uh, followed us in the last week or so. We're o- over the 7,000 mark now, so there we go. That's nice. Catched up the Dons and season ticket sales. Indeed, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Where, were we? Where, were we? Where were we? John Bleasdale, do you think there's been an online overreaction to the result? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very concise answer. Well, I wasn't sure if we were doing a 3-2-1 on that, so I, I didn't want to get my timing wrong again. Um, as with anything on Twitter, of course there has in some sections of it, but um, I think the people I've seen, I think I can very much understand. The the, yeah, chat around the the performance, 100%, and yeah. with them on that. The result is disappointing, but I think at this stage of the season, it's no more than that these yeah. things happen. As I said, we're one point up on where we were at this point last season, yep. and against Livingston, if you carry on that trajectory... Um, yeah, I think, like I said, I, don't know, I think context key isn't it to that performance yesterday. You're coming at that game, I make shit defence. I make shit defence. I make shift defence. So much for that positive, eh? Uh, <laughs> a pitch that's always difficult to play on. I don't want to make too much excuses about the pitch. There are a few questions about the pitch coming up later on. Um, Livingston are a difficult team to play against, let's be honest. We all know what you're going to get out of Livy. Um, 
It is what it is, unfortunately, yes, I think. But we need to just see how we bounce back from, I think, going forward. Because if too much of that, then yes, I think the reaction could be could be justified. Uh, Shidi at Frinokwali asking, how many bookings will Ruby pick up this season? Um, 25. 25, excellent. And the rest will be made up. Like, there'll be red cards, almost along the way. Straight red cards. Just not sure how much he's going to feature, really. <laughs> Graham, joint adventure, I guess. We should probably keep a tally on this. He's currently one for one, so... Yeah, so if that was to continue... <laughs> no, I think uh, he won't get booked every game because he won't get to play every game. So I'm going to go for 30. 30? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I'm going for 12, which even then I still think is quite a big number. Anyway, let's move on. A CG at Craig LG8. Uh, hoofball wasn't working. We all saw it. Why didn't the management team see it and change it? And then he finishes up by saying, we missed the skill of Anthony Stewart playing out from the back rather than punting it. <laughs> well, we did have Tony on the bench, so, you know, we could have had, we had that option, but not to be. Um, I mean, was, is there a question in there? Uh, I think just why didn't the management see it and change it? My only take on that is, and I think we said before, is I don't think it's necessarily they don't see it. It's just, I don't, everyone, myself included, thinks it's easy to change a game and influence it because you just tell them to do something different or take players on. But how often do you ever see, this is not a kick of Robson, but in general, if you watch a football match, it's not working for a team. How often does it it's actually change? Yeah, it's they, they maybe get a for, uh, fortuitous, fortuitous you know, they get a penalty or something, they get some back into the game, something like that. But how many games could you actually say you've seen across the board where the manager actually changes formation and or personnel such that it, actually changes the game i watched lee johnson this afternoon make two changes after 29 minutes and that you, you see it go the other way but it you worked. don't usually see it go there it, it worked and then it and then it didn't <laughs> so that was kind of funny uh, my theory on this is i don't think the management changed it because the management team asked them to play that way well that is probably fair that would have to be a reasonable assumption because if they didn't like what they were seeing they would act on it so yeah which in, in, in and of itself is a little bit concerning then that someone decided that was fine, or they took the view that this is a war of attrition and we will just overpower them. Well, I think there's that point, because what people are p- proposing is bring Vinny Bajouin on or bring Conor Barron on to be more like the flair players, but when you're in a battle like that, let's be honest, Vinny Bajouin's not going to track back. No. You're going you're to be now carrying a passenger in the defensive side of the game. So as a manager, I guess he has to look at the situation and say, well, would I rather come away from this game with a nil-nil draw? Or you know, risk it, and if I concede a goal, then people are going to be hammering for that. So I can I can see the reason why he's yeah. stuck with it. I genuinely think it's what I spoke about earlier on. I, I genuinely think he went into the game yesterday thinking it's going to be a battle. It's going to be difficult. Pitch isn't great. We've got a completely makeshift back line. I just want the ball as far away from our goal as much as it possibly can be. And if we sneak something at the other end, brilliant. And if we don't, as you say, Gav, we don't lose the game. And yeah. In his eyes, jobs are good and for yesterday. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way to go for the rest of the season, but I think circumstances potentially dictated it. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Chris at Chris Lives or Lives. Uh, what is to be done with plastic pitches and teams that don't keep them at a level befitting the Premiership? <laughs> what Befitting the Premiership? I mean, like, <laughs> we're like the like most banterous league in the world, so what is a pitch that befits that? Never mind. Should we ban them like they're doing now in the Netherlands? I was going to say, there is a country that's just outright banned plastic pitches. Um, I wouldn't be prepared to go that far because they exist for a reason in Scotland. With Where they should be in the Premiership, they should definitely be a higher standard than the one that's at Livingston. Well, that's yeah, the one at Livingston's got like 
tiles, which they've just like have you seen some I of the images from yesterday? Only imagine the number of little black pellets that come out of your boots when you finish a game at the at the Almond Yeah, yeah but there's clearly been like flare damage and stuff there. I think from some of the old firm teams have been, uh, and they've just replaced like the square like with like a square of carpet tile. It doesn't. It's not even the same color or anything. It's like ridiculous. Like that that line's discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we've got a big stock of the stuff kicking yeah. about. So yeah, I mean, what do you think, Graham? Should, should they just be banned outright? I actually can't recall what the original rationale for them was because they hilariously get called all weather pitches, but Livingston's track record in the winter is probably one of the worst. So I don't. I can't actually recall the rationale for them being because we're going back to was it the Furman days? Were they one of the first? Uh, the firm when the top flight to have the plastic, plastic, plastic pitch cr- crippled no wheeling for about <laughs> four months <laughs> yes um, <laughs> did it stop him doing other things though uh, I yeah, think just ask Stephen Craig yeah. they make sense for clearly Allegedly. they make sense for training but I kind of feel like unless everyone in the top flight has the same type of pitch so that the it's a level playing field and it's fair I'm not really sure some yeah. people should have and some people, or you should be obliged to kind of have the latest version. There should be some kind of unanimous verdict amongst the league as to what is the level that yeah, is required the has to be, yeah. for the pitch to be, if you're going to have it. I saw somebody's not making quite a good point about this, which was, should in that th- in those instances then, should the teams, like, should Aberdeen yesterday, for example, have been granted access, a bit like what happens in Europe, should we have been granted access to the Tony Mac on Friday to do, like, a training session and stuff on it to at least get a little bit more acclimatised to it. I don't think that's unreasonable. Because it's a bit different. And the the, tone, the, 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 the pitch of the Tony Mac is fucking appalling, let's be honest. Like, the one at Kelly doesn't seem too bad. I mean, it was. It was before, but I think they've upgraded it. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's too and bad. The plastic pitch at Rugby Park's never really bothered us that much. We've had been pretty successful yeah, since they put yeah. that in. I think it's well, the one at Livy's the problem is, see when it's dry, which it was yesterday, yeah. it's just like, it's so sticky, it's not even funny. Anyway, uh, it doesn't need to be sour grapes, but it is one of the easier like, there should be something done about it, I think. Uh, Windy at Chateau Windy, given that we're starting the season with Mackenzie Povara and Shaden Morris in the 11, do you think the club has decided that we're better not even trying to win the Europa League playoff for all the bluster? It's a chronic failure of recruitment to be relying on those players. Yikes. Pretty damning statement within there. I don't know. I think it's just a case of that we're out shopping in these markets and trying to get... If I take the chairman at face value, then we're getting... We're trying to look for the best players we possibly can. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with our budgets, that means that they tend to... I mean, if we're talking about Liam Scales, for example, we're going to probably get him at the end of August if we get him. And then you have to deal with other guys for looking in England. It'll be players who, you know, teams have to name their squads. And that's when you find out who's going out on loan. Um, and then elsewhere, the players we're going to be after, other teams are going to be after them as well. And you have to do what you need to do to persuade them. But, I mean, and this then goes back to, you know, losing a first-team player basically 24 hours before your first league game, it does feel a little bit the planning has not been... I don't, I don't want to say that it's been a failure of planning, but yeah, it's just not... It's not happened the way any of us hoped for. Not to absolve the club from any blame, but I actually think it's the timing of the transfer window that's the problem. Because I think it's daft that any season would start yeah, and your, your players are not confirmed if they're staying or going. It feels like everyone's... Doing a lot of business very late. Yeah, everyone's going to be in the in the same boat. But I just think it's really different. So if we don't go for quality, and we are poaching players from 
quote unquote lesser teams or divisions will be able to get them because you're you're at the bottom end of the the market, but you can probably compete in yeah. terms of the, the finances. If we really are trying to attract like the next Clarkson or something like that, it's going to be difficult. And like you say, you're, you're probably waiting for some of these guys who think they might get a number in a squad for a, a Premier League team, whatever it may be, and then when they don't, then it's the end of the window and they're right, oh, okay, maybe I should go on loan or maybe I should look to move. So I think your the reality is for the players, maybe some of the guys we're trying to attract, we're not the most attractive option for them yeah. at yeah. this point in time. And we only become attractive when the offer's still there and they realise they've got six months sitting on the bench, if that probably not even on the bench or they could come to Aberdeen and maybe make a go of it. It's just, I think it's just really difficult to recruit. I think there's a lot of circumstantial stuff as well happening here as well because people are looking at, you know, Wendy's looking there about the fact that, you know, we're starting the season with Mackenzie, Kovar and Morris in the starting 11 now. If you actually, if we didn't have the injury problems we've had and, and now obviously Angus McDonald's um, partner given birth, if we hadn't had those injury problems or those mitigating circumstances, we'd have come into the game on Saturday where you'd have gone, you'd have a full, you'd have a, a, a brand new back three, probably McDonald, um, Rubizic and Williams. You'd had Nicky Devon at right back with a backup in Ordadia on the bench. And you'd have had Johnny Hayes, probably with Jack McKenzie as the backup on the bench at left wing back with James McGarry to come in. And at that point, you probably look at that and go, well, actually, our recruitment's been not bad there because we looked pretty strong across the back line at that point with, with backup players available to us. I wonder how much the, the fact we haven't been able to move Anthony Stewart off the wage bills maybe hindering things a little bit because I, I suspect he's not on pennies um, at Aberdeen Football Club, so that's probably not helping matters. Um, you know, with Morris is in the team because we don't have a right wing back to play because Ned, Nicky Devlin's having to play in that position. Or Daddy is probably, I presume, just not quite ready yet he's not had the full pre-season like everybody else so is it a chronic failure or is it just a bit of circumstance which is probably getting in the way a little bit and i think there's also just the complications in recruiting from the market so we've you know yeah begun to specialize there's you know negotiating with the clubs negotiating with agents players getting them on board and then there's all the red tape that goes along with it so yeah. um even if we we might well have things in place I think maybe like Rubicic show where maybe we can like wait to announce these things until they're actually like ready for them to come in. Yeah. Rather than like a Miofsky where we you know announced him and then we had to wait for all his paperwork to clear. Uh, sounds like we're not going to do that anymore. So there's a lot of things working against us. And like I say, I think a lot of clubs are struggling right now. Um, let's move on quickly. I don't want to go through all of these just now, but um, Jeff from Jeff's Music Corner. Ah, Jeff. Uh, a number of clear holes in the squad, Ramadani replacement, um, we need a left-back, a creative midfielder. Well, the left-back's going to get sorted out because James and is going to come in. Creative midfielder probably still needs to get bottomed out. All while knowing about, but yet we're reduced to starting with Polvara and Moros and also his three-five-two really needed. It does make men in the squad redundant. And that's something we picked up on last season was by shifting to a three at the back. A lot of last summer's recruitment just went out the window. Um, we've kind of started to thin that out, obviously, a little bit, but it does still a valid point. There's still a lot of players who really can't play in that shape. Yeah, which I still don't understand how, with a strategy and a philosophy, you end up in this situation, but I'll probably just stop it there. <laughs> That's the first sighting of the word philosophy this season. <laughs> Don Sengers down at RFC Liquidated. What an amazing handle. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> just wants to talk about the lack of squad readiness with two and a half weeks to go before the Europa League playoff. I think we've kind of probably touched on it a little bit there, that uh, a lot of it's circumstance and hopefully we'll get this sorted out. Chris Beveridge at ChrisBev74, do you think we should have a plan B shape? Um, it's yes. pretty clear that Livy would match <laughs> up and it's just a battle of who then plays to their strengths. Lack of squad depth is clear. Yeah, I think we all agree. We need to have a plan B of some sort. I think we absolutely, we absolutely do, and that's not a function of the current squad depth or anything. I think just in general, to be competitive, there are probably only a few teams I can think of that can just impose their style over the course of a game or a season, and it will work because they have unlimited resources, and every single player they bring on is as good as the one that they took off. You're talking so, about Al Nazar, a hundred percent. Did you see that Jota's being punt- punted out on loan this no. week? So I saw this. Would you like to come to Aberdeen? Well, it was it was very curious. We'll get him in the it team was a very curious headline because it was like, um, like you know, transfer shock. Um, there's been a big blow to Jota's career as the whatever team he's signed for wants to send send him out on loan so they can then go and bring someone else in. <laughs> and I was kind of like, in many ways, this is actually like the perfect situation, isn't it? Because he's still going to get all the money, and he can go play football somewhere where it's like more respectable. Yeah. But obviously not Aberdeen. But, but also not Aberdeen, so we can't. We don't need a winger. No, exactly. Okay, quickly, 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 quickly. Kevin Rinchy at Broomhill Dons. Uh, is Hayes still capable of providing attacking threat needed in the system we use? We covered that earlier. Don't think he is, unfortunately. Um, I, I still expect the same level of industry from Johnny Hayes, but I think you know the evidence of the last couple of years alone will say that uh, for him to be up and down the line all day and providing quality like he did back in the day for Adam Rooney, pretty doubtful. Ian at Tailzo1988, should we be worried by this run under Robson? We've only won one of our last six league games. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I don't like casting the, the run back to the end of last season. No, I mean, because we've, we've got a Celtic game in there that didn't, nothing was on the line. Um, what, there's Rangers at Ibrox in there, I think as well. And, you know, the defeat of Hearts, and that, that was disappointing. But, you know, we still, we got over the line. We did what we needed to do. Um, so I think it's unfair to. I'm not a big fan of throw that. Yeah, that's that's back that, end of last season. That's Graham, kind of, that's looking like doesn't fit your pro Robson agenda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not. sort of like when you hear people talk about how, like, you know, I don't know, Walsall haven't beaten Man United in like 60 years. Yeah, oh, same time. same quality of uh, comparison. Uh, here we go, Gav. This is one for you. Willie Beat is asking thoughts on Jack McKenzie. Um, no, Gav doesn't rate him, but I thought he stuck to his task yesterday well. Livingston targeted him by sticking Newbley on him. Didn't allow himself to be bullied, even though Newbley's a handful. Um, and then there's a second question, which is, would Newbley be a player we should look to recruit? Uh, well, I'll deal with those questions in order. So, uh, what, Jack McKenzie? Yeah. Um, I don't think an Aberdeen team that are finishing third and challenging for trophies has Jack McKenzie playing in the first 11. But it sounded like he played well, so well done to him. I'd be very, I'd be, I'd be pleasantly surprised if that, you know, he maintains that. But I don't think he's really going to have the opportunity to do so once we get the full strength uh, defense in. And Joel Newbley. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Just your face when I asked the question was amazing. So much better in real life than when you see on the screen. Um, Graham, do, do you want Joel Newbley? Should you look at Joel Newbley? You can look at him. No. There we go. No. <laughs> That's my answer. I don't think so either. So there we go. I'll make this the last one. Fraser Gunn, why... Well, actually, let's not do it, because we talked on earlier on why the reluctance to make subs during games. I just don't think you trust the bench. But then what's the point of putting them on the bench? 
You don't have anyone else. But if you, but if you don't, <laughs> just put some of the younger guys on for experience. And if, I don't really understand how you can get so far removed from trusting someone to run around with a ball for <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes that you just won't entertain <laughs> that as an option. That, I, like, don't means, see, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't understand it. Yeah, right. I don't it's understand it. So what Graham's saying is that we should have brought Tony Stewart on. It sounds like it. Um, uh, well, your man uh, earlier was saying we needed him passing the ball out from the back and he yeah, could have been right. Didn't Change it up. Yeah, um, That's the plan B I want to see in answer to Chris's question. <laughs> last ticky taka with Tony Stewart. <laughs> last Jesus. Last one. Uh, lines at lines nineteen oh three. Why we had zero interest in coming short and looking for the ball four times. I counted Johnny walking away with his back to a throw in. It's what I think I said earlier on. I think I think the players were instructed to play long yesterday. I don't think it was the players deciding not to do that. I think it's the way they were told to go and play. Um, I've seen evidence of our players refusing to come short and take the ball in the past when the mo, the uh, MO of the club is very much to do so. Um, but I think in this occasion, I tend to agree that I think just the the pragmatic approach was to simply get the ball as far away from our goal. It's kind of a little bit like what we did to Ross County um, later on last yeah. season when it was very much just back to the wall, get the ball up to Duke. And the difference is on that occasion, you know, Duke took the one chance that he, that he did get. Um, so if... If we're talking about Livingston in the context of a 1-0 win where Duke scores one of those opportunities, the conversation changes completely here. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, then everyone goes, wow, great, three points in the opening day with a makeshift back line. All the same things would apply, except you're just going, well, we've got three points. Yeah, exactly. I still think people would have been disappointed with the performance. Yeah. Which is absolutely uh, justified. Enough, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. I know it does change it if, it if it works. It's a little easier to maybe just write it off as well it had to be done uh, and we got the result anyway there we go that'll wrap up listeners corner thank you to everybody again for contributing your questions in um let's have a quick look now at other news from from the club over the course of the last week i mean obviously the week kicked off with the news about slop down ruby which we've talked about him a lot but if you've not if you still want to hear a little bit more about ruby 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 then head on over to episode uh, 115.5 your gal's just cringing like oh, bits for that it's mate. great i love it um, you used to like the Kaiser Chiefs, didn't you? Nope. Um, Graham, I'm pretty positive Gary used to like the Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Did he have a big poster as well? Always banging on about predicting a riot. Yeah, and what yeah. was the talent show the boy judged? Because Gary was into that, wasn't he? Oh, was he not on The Voice or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Don't enjoy this being in person. <laughs> anyway, episode 115.5, uh, we sit down with Richard Wilson from the History of Yugoslav Football Podcast. Oh, Richard Wilson, Ricky Wilson, how convenient. <laughs> oh, who's the big fan now that he knows the name? Right, anyway. Because it was on that poster you had. There we go. Um, right, uh, the Colts then also progressing into the next round of the SPFL Trust Trophy after a late equaliser from Alfie Babbage uh, took their tie at Brora. To penalties, the Dons then winning the penalty shoot four to Babbage getting the winner there. That's a decent win actually for the under 18s to be fair. Um, well done to them. We've struggled against Brora. I think is that the fourth time in a row we've drawn them. I think. Always going get to Brora. say they're always get them. They're not quite the new Motherwell, but we've definitely played them quite a lot recently, uh, and I don't think we've had great success. Um, while we're talking about Highland League teams, by the way, I don't think the Locos are going to win the league this year. Well, we touched on this last week, but they're definitely not. Yeah, yeah did not go well for them, did it? <laughs> on week two, the nail is in the coffin. It's going to be a long, hard season. Although they signed Paul Coots this morning. You know, the ex-Bristol City, Bristol Rovers? Sheffield United. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. 
he signed for them this morning. Yeah. Yep. I thought that's about a coup, and then I was like, he's 35, so I was like, well, maybe not. So what you're saying is it could have been eight if you hadn't signed. <laughs> so you're getting if you're getting scudded seven at home by Fraser, bro. It's going to take more than pockets. That's it. Put the asking price down for you, though, Gav. Moving on quickly, Friday afternoon, obviously the long-trailed transfer available Ramadani to Serie A side Lecce for an undisclosed fee, which is rumored to be in the 1.2 million euro region. Um, Lecce rumored to also be providing a 10% sell-on for us. Ramadani, of course, joined us last season from MTK. Budapest departing after having made 44 appearances for the Dons. Scoring once and leaves, well, certainly one AFC podcast host. Absolutely devastated, eh, Gavin? Gutted. Um, just a quick thought, quick reflection about the times of Elba <laughs> Ramadani at having the football club. Well, we break out the music. Do you want to go first? Uh, uh, go on, Graham, you go first. I liked him. Maybe not as much as Gary did, but I thought he was a good player. I know um, everyone who signs for Aberdeen's flawed, but I thought I thought he was decent. And I think even just it's only one game, but you see Livingston not having that maybe that foil for Shinny. Uh, it does highlight that he does need replaced, and either we replace him and do something a little different, or we need to try and find an you know a literal replacement who's just going to do the same the same stuff that he did. So yeah, I thought I thought it was good. A good signing for Aberdeen, but I think it's difficult to turn down that sort of return uh, after a year for a guy who's, was he 27? So it's probably unlikely that those offers are going to be coming in again if he hangs around for a year. So, and on a personal level, it's difficult to, it's difficult to say to him, nah, you can't go to, to Lecce. Um, yeah, I, well, first of all, I think this is an incredible piece of business by the club. Um, to just basically flip a player just to get for a hundred thousand pounds, for you know, in that million pound region, um, I do think that he came in. I think he did very well initially. I think people then maybe got caught up with that. And for me, I think he was a, a limited player, um, and put in some you know substandard performances uh, here and there. As Cliff says, like you know, most of our things are going to do because they're not, you know, we're not bringing in the Kevin De Bruyne's of this world, um. But yeah, no doubt about it that he, you know, gave us all every single game that he played. I mean, he basically played every game that he could have, I think, uh, near enough. Um, and yeah, he did seem to buy into it. And I get people are frustrated. I'm, I'm, you know, personally frustrated just at the timing of it mm-hmm. because I don't think we should be selling a first team player, as I said earlier, within 24 hours of our first league game. You know, I understand that we there's a club that we want to be, as Alan Burrow said, hard to deal with, but. You know, it doesn't sound like the money's there that we've really got a huge amount that we should have. But um, as well, I mean, Nilber had a three-year contract, so it was kind of the optimal time to sell him if we were going to. Probably not going to stick around. It's a great opportunity for him. And also, it's just you've got to think about the, the human side. Is like, as people pointed out, Ilber came over, but the way Brexit is, you can get Ilber Ramadan, the international Albanian footballer, but you couldn't get his family over. Yeah. So for him to, you know, go to Lecce, which is, I think, next to Albania, effectively. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's three daily ferries a day from yeah. Lecce back to Albania. So that part alone, you know, the money, the opportunity, and just to be back with his family, you can't deny the guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, wish him all the best. I suspect that's maybe part of the reason why Aberdeen weren't. I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, the, the fee hasn't been as good as we were expecting. I think part of that might have been because we tried to do right by the player a little bit uh, here as well. And I think we that, weren't going to hold him to ransom. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's an important piece because you don't know how much he wanted to go or what sort of attitude he had. 
So it's difficult to keep someone if they don't want to be there. And almost it's like, what's the point? Yeah. But also, for this model to work, we have to buy players. We have to sell them. They have to have moved for a good... It has to be a good move so that the next Ramadani looks at this and thinks, well, actually, I hadn't really thought about Aberdeen, but there's a whole bunch of guys who've gone there and have gone on to bigger and better things. So I, this Aberdeen, might be an yeah. option. Go to Aberdeen and press. You can go and play in Serie A. Well, in one a, year's time. This is the thing. It's, it's another good story from that perspective. It's the second player now in two seasons we've sold to Serie A. Um, so that in itself is great. It's a great part for a career trajectory piece to look at. I mean, Elba Ramadan was relegated out of the Hungarian top flight. I mean, let's not forget that. To then be moving to Serie A within a year is ridiculous. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it ticks a lot of boxes, I think, as far as everybody's concerned. I think the main thing now for everybody now is that we take the money and we reinvest that wisely. And this is where you, where you hope that the model works now is that we take that money and we spent like 100 grand on Ramadani. The next midfielder should be like half a mil because you've got that money in the bank and you should be able to then invest in a, a better level of player theoretically than what you brought in last time to then allow you to flip him, hopefully, for more. It's like rolling forward your accumulator. Exactly. That's exactly it, Graham. Exactly. So, you know, it's what it is. I mean, it's... I know you boys have laughed about it a lot. I, I, I enjoyed Ramadan's passion and his... The way he bought into the club, I think it was really refreshing to see that, yes, a lot of the chest thumping and badge kissing. Absolutely. But it was refreshing to see, I think, from a player who's come from abroad who, as we said, you know, realistically probably couldn't have pointed Aberdeen out on a map before he was... He heard about the interest from us. Um, it's a shame it's a year, but as you say, Gab, it's the optimal time to try and sell as well as when he's got two years left in his deal. You let it run another year, it becomes a lot harder to get money in. Balance of power shifts between yeah. the player and the club at that point. So, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed, and I am disappointed with the timing. That is frustrating, but again... The timing's opinion, bad. The, the transfer yeah. window running during a season is just a bit daft, in my opinion. He goes with all our best wishes, I think it's probably fair to say. So yep. Yeah, and it. you never know. Maybe one day down the road we'll maybe get a chance to talk with him. Well, that aggressive direct messaging has to pay off somehow, doesn't it? It's either that or a restraining order. Uh, indeed. Um, and Lecce is a long, long way away, so it's fine. Right. Do they cross borders? <laughs> <laughs> Are you allowed to see him now? <laughs> <laughs> Whether he wants it or not. <laughs> um, right, is that enough for this section? I would say so. I think uh, Graham's fiancé agrees. Yeah. Lights are switched off. Time for bed. Cat's still here. There we go. Absolutely. Join us after break. We'll take a quick look at the UEFA Europa League playoff round draw. And then we'll bring you our thoughts on next week's home fixture against Celtic. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce the introduction of their new venture. Introducing Doe & Co., Brand new, fresh handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen, opening in the summer of 2023, just in time for a new season and European nights. Welcome back to the ABZFP. Now, just before we move on to have a chat about the playoff round draw in the Europa League and get a chance to chat about the game against Celtic next week, just a quick shout out to those of you continuing to make your contributions into the ABZFP Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Scott B. Scott B. Mark Robertson. We acknowledge you. And Grant Stephen. Grant Stephen. Grant Stephen, there we go. We see you, we acknowledge you. Your twin brother's not going to come in and super kick you. 
Maybe. Who knows? That might happen. Anyway, thank spoilers. you. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers. This will be Wednesday. It'll be all right. We see you. We acknowledge you. Thank you very much for continuing to contribute into the Beer and Coffee Fund. And then just quick plug again. We spoke about it briefly earlier on, but next week, coming to you live from the bar in Siberia. Not in Siberia. We've not been sent to the Gulag. <laughs> or have we? I don't well, know. after this thing, you never know. It might be. Uh, coming to you live from Siberia, from the bar um, on Belmont Street, uh, we're going to bring you a live podcast with our reactions to the game against Celtic. Uh, there'll be a fourth live mic available as well, so if you're venturing around the town after the game, come and join us, come and give us your thoughts about the game you've just seen, your thoughts on the Europa League draw that's just uh, been made on Monday, and uh, just anything else you want to talk about about the Dons. We're looking forward to it, eh, boys? Yeah, definitely. Uh, something totally new for us uh, it'll be good to get back to Petorgia we'll get back to Siberia and then it's always good to get different points of view as to hopefully there'll be some good stuff um, <laughs> for the better luck or maybe less of the bad stuff or, or some different points of view or the bad stuff I mean that's that's yeah. also equally valid or someone else giving it the old fucking boo instead of one of us so uh, yeah I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it it'll be good to try something different I'm excited about it I'm feeling a lot more calm and assured about it now that we've tested everything <laughs> so um, it seemed to work. So it seems fine. to have worked. So let's just hope that uh, much like three five two Aberdeen, it comes up trumps. Definitely. So um, we'll put our link later in the week. I think from looking at what you need to do, you may need to be. You may need to have downloaded the Podbean app on your mobile fo- mobile telephone, or you can probably listen online. I imagine we'll put the link out as well via the web browser. But um, if you can go and download the Podbean app, we'll put the link out ahead of time next week. We should probably get started about what half past two or so. We think, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you've always got to allow for whatever the fuck VAR throws up. Yeah, how long the game runs. Um, there was also that chat that they'll be playing. You know, like the World Cup did. Well, that happened yesterday. Add we on had, all the we were time. hundred minutes yesterday. Yeah, so it might be tea time by the time yeah. we get home. Well, we'll, we'll keep everybody updated on the old Elon Musk X's. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there or thereabouts, but half past two or so. And um, the boys from Siberia, I think, have also promised that there might be a few enticements for people to, to come along as well. So hopefully we'll see you then. If not um, live in person, make sure you catch it um, as it goes out live. And then that should be recorded and put out as well. Gavin's looking quizzically at me. You might just need to find a way to record it as we go. There we go. Thought of what you think. Yeah, that, that could be. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we go. Anyway, um, let's move on quickly just to talk about the Europa League playoff draw. So, Graham, as if through the magic of time travel that Gavin will have edited this in now, uh, we fast forward briefly to Monday afternoon. The, the draw has just been made for the Europa League playoff round, um, and we've got a couple of old foes waiting for us in the playoff rounds, it turns out. We'll be facing the winners of the tie between Zalgris Vilnius or Balklub and Hecken. Uh, initial reactions to the draw? I think, considering who it could have been, that's not too bad. Yeah, I think realistically, out of the teams it could have been, maybe the the most star, um, Bretha Blick tie was maybe the only other one that you would have gone. That's the one, that's probably the, the top one you'd want to take. So all things considered, it's not the worst that it could have been. Obviously, Hecken and Vilnius uh, playing on Thursday night in their first leg, which is taking place um, in Lithuania. The first leg, obviously, of our tie against the winner. This one will also be away from home, so it will either be in Lithuania or in Sweden on the 24th of August. Um, I touched on earlier on, it's a potential reunion with either of these teams. The Dons playing uh, Zagreb's Vilnius back in the 1996 UEFA Cup uh, preliminary round, only just squeaking through that one, 5-4 in aggregate. 
after a 4-1 win away from home initially and then a 3-1 defeat at Pathology but just sneaking through that one. Then, of course, the Balkluben Hecking game, um, which I guess for us has got some sentimental value because it's the first game we ever previewed for this podcast. Um, a ridiculous home win in that one, 5-1, where we all thought Stephen Glass and Glassball was going to take us to win the quadruple that season. A bit of a more iffy 2-0 defeat away from home. And it's probably fair to say that Hecking maybe didn't give themselves, they probably didn't give uh, as great an account of themselves as I think we've seen recently from them. I think they underestimated us by the margin. We overestimated ourselves. <laughs> Which is entirely fair. I mean, looking at it realistically, Hecking obviously won the Swedish Championship last year, which was a little bit of a shock, um, but they went on to, to obviously have a really good season last year. They've dropped into the Europa League this year round because they, they were beaten by the, the Faroese champions, Klaksvik, in qualifying round two, which was one of the all-time shocks, I think, in European football. But Klaksvik are obviously doing all right this season. That's the second of the Scandi teams they've knocked out. They came through on penalties against Hecken. And then for Vilnius as well, you know, again, um, they won the top flight in Lithuania last season. They fell into the Europa League by virtue of the fact they were narrowly defeated by Galatasaray in qualifying round two of the Champions League. They went out 3-2 in aggregate there to the Turks. So whilst we're still saying it's possibly the best tie we could have um, got, or maybe the second best tie, neither of these games are going to be necessarily easy, are they, I don't think? No, I think at this stage you were well, they're unlikely to be any quote-unquote diddy teams left. So probably didn't really, really matter who you got. They're going to be difficult. But I think when you just look at them, I, I don't look at the the draw and think, well, that's that. You know, we've got no chance of competing. I look at it and think, yeah, it's not going to be easy. But I generally don't see why we can't compete with either of them. Yeah, I mean, heckin' obviously... The, the defeat to Klaxvik stands out as being a real shock, but they are currently sitting second in the scan just now as they look to try and um, retain their title in Sweden. It's not going to be an easy game, and I think we did see enough from Hecken in the second leg um, a couple of years ago that showed they were not... There were certainly no mugs, and I think the Klaxvik game, okay, they were knocked out by them, but they eventually were knocked out in penalty kicks. They didn't come through that as they would have expected to. Um, but they're going to be out for revenge, aren't they? Let's be honest. Because they they did get roundly humiliated, it's fair to say, in that first tie. I don't think anyone really saw it coming when we played them in 2021. And we're kind of putting the cart before the horse here by imagining it's going to be hecking. But if it is them, they're going to be right up for trying to turn us over, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine so. Um, I don't know. Do we get glass back for a two-game deal? <laughs> maybe maybe he absolutely spooked them that time around um it's gonna be interesting also the first leg the 24th which is still uh what's that two weeks away uh, on thursday there is still time to get some more numbers into the squad and you'd like to think by that point we'd have a little bit more defensive reinforcements back into this this the side but do you think as well the club now have to look at this and go okay like we could have drawn a very, very big team here in this playoff round and it would have been very difficult for us to get through. There is the guts of nearly, you know, 700,000 euros is the difference effect for just on entry fee alone before you get into whether you win games or not by just purely entering the Europa League. Do you think the club now are looking at that and going, that's a winnable tie and therefore, I think they should have been doing it anyway, but do you think that that makes us go, right, we really need to sort out the squad now ahead of this rather than looking towards the back end of the transfer window? I like to think it doesn't influence anything in so much as they're already trying to sort out the squad. But I know what you mean if you're if you feel that extra windfall is more likely than not, maybe compared to who you could have got. Uh, I think we should be 
I think you should be going for it. I think we spoke earlier, if you could do something in Europe and I guess do something might just be if you go into the Europa League and you get, you know, your group games, you maybe get a bit more revenue from that side if you can invest wisely. And then if you could get third next season, you know, the in the cycle sort of repeats, you start to, you know, create a bit of a buffer between us and well, hearts or hips probably as the next two with a potentially comparable budget. So I think it's really, really important that we do it. And also just, you know, we've been shifting season tickets, shirts, DNA memberships, etc. There's got to be some ambition from the club as well to, I think, match the the hunger and the desire for success that the fans are showing. I think it's a fair shout. And, and I guess look at what we've had in recent seasons in terms of opportunities to get our way into the group stages of Europe. I know we were guaranteed it this time around anyway, but on the face of it, it's prob this is the best chance we're ever going to have, I think, at making Europa League group stages this moment in time with, with that draw. I, I think so. I think the season's gone past. We've felt that there's missed opportunities, but that was kind of after the way the game has played out. I didn't necessarily feel that way when the draw was made. But this one, I'm looking at it and thinking, I mean, it kind of feels like it's about as good a shot as you're going to get. Dennett McInnes will just be fucking fuming, I imagine, given some of the teams he had to look at at this sort of stage. But listen, we'll, we'll come on, we'll, we'll preview these games in a lot more detail once we see the, the results of, of the tie between Zalgiris, Vilnius and, and, and Balkluben Hekim. Like I said, the first leg of the, that game takes place um, in Lithuania on Thursday night. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interested onlookers from the northeast of Scotland on watching that one there. But Graham, I think that'll do us just now. We can hand back to our regularly scheduled programming now to talk about um, the game on Sunday against Celtic, I think. And so, after all that, um, after the disappointment of the opening day at the Tony Mac, obviously the Dons make a return to Pretoria on Sunday for the early kickoff against Celtic. So you need to go all the way back to February 2016 for our last win over Celtic at Pretoria. 2-1 win, goals from Johnny Hayes and Simon Church, enough to seal a second home win that season against Celtic. That, was, that had actually been the first time since 1991 we'd done the home league win double over uh, the side from the east end of Glasgow. We've actually played Celtic 154 times at home in the league. 47 wins, 39 draws, 68 defeats, 199 goals for. So whoever does score the first goal for the Dons on Sunday will have knighted the 200th against uh, Celtic. 242 goals against, though. It feels to me the majority of those came in the Ebb Scovedal and Mark McGee eras. Uh, especially Scovedal. Yeah. Um, I was going to say there were a lot of records broken under Mark McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Celtic, of course, comfortable champions last season, obviously went on to win the treble under Ange Postacoglu before his departure to Spurs, which of course meant the return of Brendan Rodgers to Parkhead in the summer. Um, Celtic's maybe not quite as busy in the transfer market as you might have expected. There's been Marco Tilio arriving from Melbourne City, Hyuk Q Kwon from Busanil Park, Hyun Yun Yang from Gangwon FC, Odin Thiago Holm, we won't talk about his politics, I don't think, from Valarenga, and then uh, Mel Rocky from Legia Warsaw. I guess it was probably the departure of Jota to Al Itad, we just spoke about a minute ago, that's probably the most keenly felt, I think, at Celtic this season, and it looks like it's widely trailed that Carl Starfelt's going to leave as well this week to try and be a bit closer to his girlfriend, uh, Jacinta. So Graham's looking kind of disappointed about that one there. Celtic obviously starting their campaign on Saturday with a 4-2 win against Dross County. Goals from Kyogo, 
Matt O'Reilly, and then a brace for David Turnbull. He, he's, Mark, David Turnbull seems to have been brought back in the fold by Rogers so far um, at the moment in place of Rio Hitati, which seems a little bit of a surprise. Although it does look as though Rogers is going to continue with the 4-3-3 that Posse Cogley favoured. He had Cameron Carton Vickers and Naroki in the centre of defence yesterday. Uh, we just touched on the fact that Carl Starfield looks like he's going to be leaving. Still had a front three yesterday with Kyogo, uh, Maeda and Abadal, which is obviously going to probably still create a lot of problems, shall we say, for a lot of teams in the league. One tweak that I think there does seem to have been from Celtic, from Rodgers, it looks as though he's going to try and let Kyogo play a little bit deeper. Um, maybe looking to see if he can maybe stretch the defences that way, maybe allow on rushing midfield as an opportunity to exploit gaps in the defence. We saw Matt O'Reilly benefiting from that with his goal on Saturday. And I guess another thing probably that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on is what he does with his full-backs, because Postacoglu heavily favoured the inverted full-back set-up. I think that's where you saw the likes of Greg Taylor excelling um, in recent seasons. Rogers historically has always looked for his full-backs to be more kind of traditional overlapping types, so it'll be interesting to see if that changes at all this season. Again, it's hard to look at things at the moment. There's only been the one game we can really look at. A couple of poor goals that they conceded against Ross County on Saturday, perhaps looking maybe a little bit exposed to some physical presence at set pieces. But um, as always, we don't have a great record, certainly recently against Celtic at Pataudry. So thoughts ahead of the game next week? Are you looking forward to it? Do we do we get off the mark from a, a win pers- perspective this uh, this week? I think it would be an um, overstatement to say that I'm excited or looking forward <laughs> to it just because our track record against Celtic is terrible. And I've still... Suboptimal. I've still got, like, PTSD from our last effort at Pataudry against them. I, can't, I think I've blocked the last effort out of my mind. I've, I've got PTSD of just watching Rodgers lead those Celtic teams out. <laughs> because... Yes, yeah, fair. We did not... It didn't really matter what we did against them. Uh, we couldn't get one over them, so... Uh, yeah, we came close. Yeah. Came close that one time, but... Close, but no cigar. Oh, Johnny, if only you'd played the ball a bit further, a bit further ahead. Uh, um, it's probably um, going to be tricky, isn't it? Um, yeah, concerned. Purely because I, I'm not sure how much we're going to have in the door to help us out. And with the best one in the world, and, you know, we've kept a clean sheet and Bowcats, they've done well, but Devlin, Ruby and Mackenzie with Hayes and... Morris providing coverage against Abada, Kyogo and Maeda. That does not fill me with confidence. I think it's fair to say Celtic will be a little bit more adventurous than Livingston and uh, they carry a little bit more of a threat. So, But then that might help us a little bit, to be fair. A team who's a little bit... Not, I mean that in the sense of a team who's a little bit more I know. adventurous creates spaces. I, I but feel you need like, to get the ball. I feel like for most of the time I've gone, we've not... We've struggled to break teams down, yeah. whereas we've had a bit more success when there's yeah a little bit more space because the opposition will leave gaps because they think they can exploit your weaknesses. However, generally speaking, going to toe-to-toe with them hasn't really worked out too but, well for us. But the either. issue is there. You need to get the ball and have it and retain it. Yeah. Because so often you'll see when we play Celtic, they have possession for, what, 70, 75% of the time. And when you do get the ball, they're still so fresh, they just press you. And don't give you a second to do anything with it anyway. Well, that's, well I'm going to be very intrigued to see how we go. I mean, what do you ex- what do you want to see in terms of an Aberdeen performance next week in terms of the way we set up and the way we get after Celtic? Because you're right, the last time that Celtic played us at Pataudry was, I don't think it was the beginning of the end for Goodwin, but it felt like it was the game that 
a lot of people turned. Like, I think there was a lot of doubt already. And I think, like, the Shellac in it, Tanadice had obviously put a lot of people's backs up, quite rightly so. But we kind of muddled our way through to the to the, to the World Cup break in third spot and everything. But that performance in particular just felt so passive. And it felt... I mean, it was even worse than some of the passive performances we saw from Dennett McInnes. It, it, it felt like an admission that we were going to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah, that... that the McInnes ones are slightly different, but, but that one felt like he'd gone in and said, you guys are nowhere near good enough, so we're just going to hope and pray that we can get through it. Whereas the, McK- the McInnes ones, there was some sort of plan, which was almost to draw them in, frustrate them, and then maybe we'll get something, but wouldn't even try and maybe get something under that last game. So, What do you want to see then? Um, probably more akin to when we played Rangers at Pesodre. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah aggressive and in their face and you know pick our pick our moments for when we can I mean because let's be honest like no matter what we do they'll have the ball more than us because they just it's what Celtic do um so you got you gotta be clever in your pressing you've got to pick your moments but yeah I want us to be brave when we when we do have the possession of the ball I don't want us to be doing that thing where we it's just I mean, that was the almost the biggest disgrace to me but that game was just it, our attacking plan was just Long balls to Duke and Miofsky. Hope for the best. Well, no, it was hope Carter Vickers or Starfelt make a mistake. It's yeah. not about creating anything. I mean, what's int- I saw a lot of people um, on Twitter yesterday after the Livingston game talking about uh, how can we go from like our pressing and our intensity against Charlton in preseason the week before was really good and we were really impressive and we did that really well and hunted the packs and stuff. And there was none of that on display against Livingston. I think part of that is because Livingston don't play they don't sit and pass the ball around, so you don't really have the chance to be doing that. I mean, they're just shelling the ball at the park the same way we were. Do we expect to maybe see something akin to what we saw against Charlton from us against Celtic, where we do engage in that much more high-intensity press? And is that what you want to see? Once again, it's all about picking your moments. Because if you do it at the wrong time, Celtic have players who can just play triangles around you, and they're in. I think that's the key thing. Cause we, I think under glass, we tried to do the whole pressing thing against them. But we didn't, we didn't go as a unit or at the right time. It was there was like no cohesion just, to it. No, no, it was like people just breaking the line. It's like people are disciplined for 10, 15 seconds. You think, that's fine. You can see them, the subtle players, oh, I'm not too sure what to do. They're passing it back. And then someone will be like, oh, I could get that. Rush out of the line. And then all of a sudden, like you say, there's a little triangle. They're around you. They're through and you're in trouble. So I, I don't know if pressing is the right word. We need to be disciplined, but I don't mean camped on the edge of our box uh, and not trying to compete. I tell you though, I was going to pick up on that glass game, not the first one. The first time a glass against Celtic was, was the one that had um, Gary Woods was in goals. It was awful. But remember we played Celtic just after the the, the winter break, I think. It, was, it wasn't the first game back. I think we played Rangers the first game back again, but it was a couple of weeks after that. And we played really well that night, actually. We went 2-0 down and got back to 2-2. And we had Celtic on the ropes a little bit, and then there was the kind of goal. Was it Jota was it Abada who scored it. Uh, um, Jota, one of them. Where there was two, a little yeah. bit of controversy about was it David Bates potentially like some someone had come from an offside position. I can't remember exactly how it went down, but that was the time that we actually got a press right. It was probably the closest I've seen us come to doing something against Celtic for a long, long time. And I thought our performance that night was good, which is one of the ironic things about Stephen Glass era. Stephen Glass's uh, performances against. The two Glasgow teams generally were actually pretty good. Uh, for 
versus the other performances and results. Yeah, but also compared to his predecessor and yeah. the guy who followed after him, like Glass Elliot kind of almost got the right idea, which was not showing too much respect, but you know, getting after them a little bit. Well, I think that's the thing that I think sometimes people think you know the pressing is just hounding them all over, but you're not you're not going to do it because, like you say, if if they've got the ball for most of the game, which they will do, it's less tiring to have the ball. So we're not going to be able to harry them, chase them for 90 minutes and then be able to do something about it. If we do that, when we get the ball off them, we're just going to be trying to put it back to the keeper and you know, a bit of a breather, try and build something. And I don't think that's going to work either. So the pressing has to be, I don't know how you describe it, it's not like you go through five minutes where you do it and five minutes where you don't, but you've got to kind of know yeah. when in the game are you trying to build up a bit of momentum. And everyone has to be disciplined and work in their little units to press at the right time and press the right people. I feel like this is something Robson and Agnew have been working on in pre-season, I think, to be fair. So I'm interested to see how it plays out in a game where they'll actually get a chance to use it. I just don't think you've got a chance to do it against Livingston. Yeah. The key thing is just that everyone needs to know their role. Because if one person breaks... Shut your mouth. Because <laughs> if one person breaks, that's it. Yeah. If one person loses their discipline, that's Celtic in. And they've got such quick attacking players that you know it's going to be very hard to stop them when they're in full flow. Um, and but because like, even McInnes, like early in like the first half of his time, he you know we did get some joy against Celtic, particularly at home. Think of like when Johnny Hayes scores that goal and Adam Rooney scores, we beat them two one. There was that season you just referenced where we beat them twice at home. It was then just like later on we just seemed to get battered into submission. And then yeah. I mean, there's two words to that there, isn't there? It's Ronnie Dyla. Still, <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know. Ronnie Dyla, Neil Lennon. But we did. We yeah, got but their but budgets we, were still yeah, multiples of we, everyone we, else's. We played, we played to our strengths and we yeah. we got after them, and and that was the, that was a key thing, I think, because that's I think that's the part that against Celtic so many times in recent seasons we've never got right. Is I think a lot of fans go to games against Celtic just expecting the worst, so there's not that same atmosphere. I don't think compared to a Rangers game because the rivalry is just not. No matter what people will say, the rivalry is just not the same. Well, it's right? not. The, it's not the same, and the teams. We're closer to Rangers in terms of quality yeah. than we are to Celtic. I, I, absolutely. But I think if you can go out there and you can show a bit of intent early doors, you get the fans on side. It felt like it, the you know the, the, the game against them just after the World Cup break last year, you could have heard a pin drop around Pataudry the entire afternoon because we were just set up so negative. There was nothing to get behind. You flip that on its head compared to how it is when we play Rangers, generally speaking. And this is what happened back in those McInnes games you talked about, Gavin, is that there was hope and we kind of got on the front foot against them and you got the crowd up and then it becomes... But Audrey, when it's, you know, got a bit of atmosphere about it, I'm not going to say it's an in, the most intimidating place in the world, but it must be a good place to play as a home team player. There's, well, yeah, there's going to be, give or take, a full house Yeah. Uh, on Sunday. So if we can start the game with a, a statement of intent and be competitive, then I think everyone's going to get behind them. And that does mean when inevitably they get a hold of the ball for a period, the crowd is still with the team. Yeah. Because you've seen, yeah, we're trying to do something here and we'll stick with it. I think it's really, really tough if that first 5-10, it's obvious that we are just hoping and praying that they have an off day. It is difficult to get behind a performance like that. It's such a hard thing to balance, though, because you say, let's make a statement of intent early on. Now, people would all think, like, let's go snap at a couple of challenges to them. Uh, and I then the same, if the same issue comes. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it is difficult. I, I, yeah, it's it's tricky because you, what you want is the old, 
steamroll them, but it's not it's not going to happen. Um, I think we just need to be when we do get the ball, things like you say, Gavin. It, it can't just be shell it and try and get a bit of breathing space or hope that somehow something's going to happen. When we get the ball, we need to be trying to go forward and not panic and just pick the first pass because you'll just give it back to them. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how we go, I think, on Sunday because uh, it looked as though Angus McDonald was touch and go to play against Livy on Saturday, but then, obviously, like we said, they're on the birth of his child the day before, obviously, Kai Bosch that. So he might be back in contention to come in against Celtic, but it feels like it's a big ass ask a guy coming who's had very little pre-season now to come in in that game. Obviously, by doing so, though, you would then potentially allow Nicky Devlin to move back to right wing-back um, and take Shade and Morris out, but that still leaves you... It's unlikely that James McGarry signing will be done and dusted in time for him to play next week because we're currently waiting on his, also his partner, giving birth before he travels even from over from, from Australia. So that's potentially going to take a little bit of time before that happens. So you might still have a situation where you've got Jack McKenzie and Johnny Hayes as your left-hand side, which is a bit... Yeah. But if, if McDonald's fit, would you put him in? Only if he's absolutely definitely fit I wouldn't be rushing him back I know it's a huge game but there's a whole season of football to play so if it's one of these yeah maybe he could come back given that he'll have missed out in a bit of pre-season I think I'd be reluctant because you've got to look at the bigger picture I wouldn't want him to break down and then he's out of the next game and then the next game for example which is something we've seen happen a lot so many yeah. times so many times um, personally speaking I would play him because I simply think he's one of our best defenders and we need as we need our best players to have any chance to compete with Celtic. Um, so all being well, and that the the medical department are comfortable with him playing, then yeah, get him in the team. Okay, there we go. We'll wrap up here just now in that preview. Let's just do as we always do a prediction for next Sunday: Aberdeen versus Celtic in the Cinch. Graham, I'm going to say we're going to sneak it two one. Yeah, good stuff. Love it. Come on, Gav. <laughs> um, Two two. Two two at Desmond. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Graham. I think we're gonna I think somehow we're gonna we're gonna sneak it. I'm gonna go with two one as well. Um and the season gets up and on in, in a fashion we weren't quite expecting. So um let's see. Fingers crossed that is exactly what happens. I would be delighted if it does because that'll make for a very enjoyable afternoon in Siberia. It definitely will. Absolutely, of course. Yeah, like I say, if you uh, if you've got the chance to drop in past the bar, please do after the game on, on Sunday. We'll be there. That's gonna wrap up this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, gents, it's been a pleasure doing this in person for once. Yeah. Ridiculous. Interesting dynamic, isn't it? It is. It's a bit different. Anyway, there we go. Join us next time for episode one hundred and eighteen. Eighteen. Unless one. there are any signings in the week. Yes, unless there are signings, in which case we can release a mini pod, which is already sitting on the shelf. Yep, ready just, to rock uh, and roll. Burning a hole in my pocket, Indeed. metaphorically speaking. Absolutely. Join us next time uh, where we will look back on. Well, will we look back on the Celtic game? So we'll do that in the live show. We think the live show will be up. We'll talk to somebody about the St. Mirren game. I think we'll play St. Mirren the week after next. We'll, we'll get somebody lined up to talk about that. I don't know what's going to happen in the next week's show. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you do in your podcast player of choice. We'll see you next time. Stamping. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen.
head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!